can, we can be in the middle. It's fine. It doesn't really, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> but you want to roll in. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Literally Literary. With us, as always, is Mr. Sean Faubernitz. Sean Faub. I am Joey Bonnier, and here is your host, Mr. Sean O'Brien. I I wanted to drink coffee first. Sorry. Okay, I'll keep going until the post. So, Mr. Sean O'Brien. Hi, guys. Yeah. How we doing? Everyone well? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Give me some more gain. I need more gain. Joey wants you more gain. You were peeking the fuck out of shit, man. Well, I was screaming earlier. Now I'm going to yeah, be talking. God damn you. That's I'm po- not going to be this close to my... poetic turn of phrase. Jeez. You were peeking the fuck out of shit, man. Yep. It's the technical term. <laughs> yep. Um, how we doing, boys? Everyone good? Yeah. We, we told you Splendiferous. We, we answered this food. question. Let's go. Oh, I'm sorry. Come on. No, I we're waiting on food. Gotta go. <laughs> what did you order, by the way? Uh, what did I order? Oh, hamburger. Cheeseburger. Where, really? From where did we get this? I actually don't know. Some Mediterranean place. Yeah, you got to get something Mediterranean if you're getting... Yeah, I called an audible last minute. Okay. I got a lamb hamburger. Lamb burger? Sure. Is that thing? You got waffle Probably. fries? be decent. Did you oh, get waffle fries no. or other fries? You talked me out of the waffle fries, I you know, dick. Wait, you did? I would have talked you into them. <laughs> well, if you got a burger, ask him what he had, for, what he got first. Waffle mm-hmm. fries goes with everything. Yeah. I didn't say they don't go with everything, but he asked, should I get waffle fries or regular fries? And I said, what are you having? He said, hamburger. So I said, regular fries. If he was getting the quail, he would have, would have said waffle fries. It doesn't make sense. This is bad advice. Yeah. You, you don't, this from the man so that buys cold waffle, sandwiches. You fuck always off. get waffle fries? <laughs> yes. If they, everything. No, if the option is there, get waffle fries. This is not. Even, even is when not, they don't have waffle fries, you make them get waffle fries. No, just, <laughs> you take two fries and you cross them and, and you make actual waffles with them. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. That's fine. Um, Listen to me. Well, this episode, although we're recording it uh, much earlier, will come out, as far as I understand, the day after the election, or like a few days after the election. Mm. Yeah. November yeah. So 29th? November 28th, is if Trump is correct. Yeah. Um, so Wait, what is, Trump th- is this, this something Trump said? Yeah, Trump, Trump said, make sure you vote on, on November 28th. Really? Yeah. To a live par- a party ra- uh, rally. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, hey, you know, yeah. dates are hard. Better late than never. Dates are hard. But where did he get 28? Isn't that like Thanksgiving? It's <laughs> <laughs> just a slip of mind. He just fucking does things. Yeah. Trump. Anyway, I have books. Of um, course. I have with us some Americana. I figured mm. I figured that might be the best way to do it. Um, I don't have too many history books, but I brought what I do have. Speaking of cheeseburgers and waffle fries. I see fries. you're pandering to Speaking Sean Fah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I should have grabbed those too. I'm going to. You guys talk. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. What are we talking about? I have no idea. Well, he just abandoned us with a stack of books while he uh, runs back to <laughs> he the- He clearly knows we're not going to read these things, the right? The Fawcast Library. Yeah. How many books do we fucking need? There's a stack about a foot and a half high right you now. You could have started reading And then he goes- I have an and, iPad in front of me. Why would I ever need more. that? Okay. Anyway, so I have- I just grabbed off of off of Shawnee's shelf. The Fawcast shelf. Common Sense by Thomas Paine. I have the Declaration of Independence and other great documents of American history. Who wrote that? The Declaration of Independence. Tommy Jeffs. Tommy <laughs> Jeffs. As far as the, but there's also the Constitution. Who wrote the Constitution? We the people. Yeah. We the people. <laughs> oh yeah. We, we, Wasn't it mostly Adams? It. What? Wasn't it mostly Adams? No, I think it was Madison. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, the little guy. I think your boy Hamilton. Funny, funny a little bit. Hamilton had Hamilton was the Federalist Papers. Your boy. My boy. Well, speaking of which, I do have Ron Chernow's book, Alexander Hamilton. Mm. Is this what the? Play, the uh, this is the, exactly what the play was based off of. Mm. Um, so I have that here. I also have The Rights of Man by Thomas Paine. Um, 
I have Thoreau, Walden, and Civil Disobedience. He's a good man and thorough. I have another, <laughs> I have another copy of the Constitution. Uh, I have that early American writing, which we had the first time. Um, I, because it was there, I have Barack Obama, The Audacity of Hope. <laughs> oh, I have. I actually read that. Just hope. Did you really? I, li- I listened to it. Oh, right on. How was um, it? Was it audacious? And hopeful. Hope. <laughs> I have Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin. It's the story of uh, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, um, as mentioned on our previously recorded podcast. And I have David McCullough's John Adams, mm-hmm. Pulitzer Prize winning. And then I have two books is on history. Is that the uh, one the HBO show is based on? Yes. Right on. I have two books on history. One is just The Nature and Study of History by Henry Steele Comager. It's a very small book it's a for The Nature book, yeah. and Study of History. It's like shit happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now we're going to tell you about it. <laughs> this sounds good. <laughs> here's, here's history. Cause it, and effect. Yeah. Done. The boat went down the river. Chapter two. <laughs> this thing, sometimes things happen. Okay. And then, uh, the Roman Empire, the yeah. church, and uh, Hitler. Yeah. Done. When, you study, when you study what happened, it's pretty simple, right? You look at what happened, then you talk about it. Was, it. was this written by a Chicago Union guy? Yes. <laughs> Finally, I have Howard Zinn's a People's History of the United States. Very famous book. Don't Ooh. you have it? I thought you had one more right there. Where? I no. thought it was right there. Right, right, this one right here? Oh, I don't remember the name of the one I'm supposed to pretend that I have in front of me. <laughs> God, you suck. <laughs> I only told you four times. The Thomas Jefferson, so the quail of rivals or something like the quail? Jesus. Wow. Their memory is Trump-esque. <laughs> Dude, what's the, it called again? The Dan Quail book. American Sphinx. American Sphinx, not American Quail. Sphinx. I was close. American Quail. <laughs> With potato. Potato. With Sphinx. Quail. Let's call the whole thing off. Um, so, anything jumping out at you boys? You lovely mm. men on this on this fateful Sunday after the election, Sunday, which is oh, actually Yom Kippur. You're jumping in time. Yeah, yeah. I'm not with you. I mean, time this is travel. Come out. And it's from Arizon. Uh, I have two. Oh, I would like to read okay. one. I would guess Team of Rivals. Uh, maybe a selection from there, or the John Adams, David McCullough book. So I should be clear. I haven't read any of these. Like, oh, oh I thought you read Team of Rivals. I haven't read any of any of these. Hmm. Well, you've read Hamilton. I've read some of Hamilton. You haven't I, read the book of Hamilton. No, I've read some of the book of Hamilton. I'm shocked. I was in the middle of like four other books at the time, and I got, I think the bookmark is still where I was. Mm. So, yeah, no. Which, was like, let like the record throw, show the bookmark. Chapter yeah, six, like not 100 even. pages in. Um, I've read, <laughs> and, and I think I've read the first part of the People's History of the United States, which I like. Um, I wanted to read that next in general, but anyway. So, yeah, so you get Team of Rivals? That'd be cool. Um, or Adams, you said? Shawnee, what are you looking at? Um, yeah. Team of Rivals sounds decent. You just want to go straight to Lincoln? Lincoln? Straight to Lincoln? Just straight to him. I Do- brought, Doris I brought like 45 Goodwin. fucking books yeah. that all weigh all of the weight. Like everything, mm. all of the weight that is, is what I was carrying on my shoulders to bring to you people. And you guys the just jumped straight to Team of Rivals. The Do you want to know something funny, by the way? Mm. I bought this on the way here. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. All the other books I had, <laughs> I drove up. I, dro- I have the receipts probably in there. Um... Oh no, it's in the other book I bought. Mm-hmm. Or is it, it there? Matter. No. No, I bought but yeah, I bought it today at uh the Iliad bookstore. Oh on yes. the way up here. It's, yeah. I normally will leave like an hour early so I can stop <laughs> off there for about fifteen minutes and then drive up here. So I, that's very funny. I've had John I've had John Adams since it fucking came out. Did I go I off on my, my disdain? Of what? John Adams? No, the Iliad. No. The uh, Iliad or the Iliad the, bookstore? The, the Iliad bookstore. Oh, hang on. Let me see if I can guess. Okay. <laughs> 
Is it just, first of all, it's just too pretentious, and there's books there, so we're already like three steps behind. I, yeah, how many? Uh, I did go in once, Proust. so I do. Where are we in the proofs <laughs> on the Duchometer? On the, well, it's a library, so it's infinite. It is all the douche. It is immeasurable. <laughs> all of the douche. Which, oh, you know what? I almost brought by the way is like, the, and I will bring for one of these episodes as a spoiler or as a tease. Um, I I compiled like the douchiest books that I own, <laughs> and I was gonna bring them all. The Sean Fostack. Yeah. Like, like the Jean Fostack, just like you know, it's basically like the worst game of Would You Rather in your life, and but it honestly weighed like a million pounds, yeah. and so so, and we have to do this like this this whatever this history because episode. So. We've already established word count is a huge factor in oh, the I show. Know. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Continue. So so, just go on your rant. Oh no, uh, you you were going to guess my uh, my uh, di- reason for disdaining the Iliad. Yeah, that was that was it. Right. Oh, the, just there's books it, just, and there's people who like. Books oh no, there. there's there <laughs> there is a specific reason that that as a retail establishment I, pisses I have a me guess. off. I have a guess. That? The outside construction. Nope. You don't like the fact that they. Or I thought I like this, but they actually have books like huge, like seven foot tall books on the outside of the the building, like mm. stacked like a bookshelf. I don't oh. know. I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Lack of pricing. That was gonna be my fucking guess. Believe it or not, I was gonna. So the books are the prices are all. So all the prices are in the book. If you just open to the first page, they're all right there. Oh, in every single book. That would require opening. Wait, what does that say? I couldn't read that. This dollar. This is five nine five. So I bought this for almost six hundred dollars. Congrats. Thanks. I'm excited. Team of Rivals, winner of the Lincoln Prize. Huh. That doesn't. Yeah, really. Giving the Lincoln Prize to the number one New York Times bestseller. A Political Genius of Abraham Lincoln. The Political, sorry. Mm. By Doris Kearns Goodwin. Also won the what? Pulitzer? The Pulitzer Prize, bitches! I'd stick my Pulitzer on it. I'd stick my Pulitzer on it. Do they give uh, one- Hudsucker proxy? Yeah. Nice. Do they give one Pulitzer out per year? No. They, one, give, they give one in, Pulitzer out in per category, category yeah. per year. How many categories are there? Like almost 10. Are we talking like fiction, nonfiction kind of yes, thing? Yes, fiction, yeah. nonfiction, even biography, I think, has one. Um, I, the the play has one. Um, then there's like, you know, op ed. There's right. like an article. Journalism. Here, journalism. Yeah, there's, I think there's like 10, mm. if not more. Oh. What's your favorite? Of all the Pulitzers? Mm-hmm. Pulitzer? How do you say it? Pulitzer or Pulitzer? I say Pulitzer. Pew. Pew, Pulitzer. Pew, pew. Yeah, pew, pew. I say Pulitzer. I don't like it. I used to say Pulitzer, but I think it's Pulitzer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I sort of blend the two. What's my favorite genre of when in liter- just literature? Mumble. Or what's my your favorite of the ones over there? Yeah, I guess nonfiction. Okay, right on. They have history too. But you have is that a separate than nonfiction? I really like also historical fiction. That wasn't <laughs> if that wasn't super clear already. Um, all right, let's do it. So let's figure this out. I actually don't know very much about Abraham Lincoln, so this will be fun. Good because I know too much. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the movie. All I remember is a giant lens for. I didn't see the movie Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I, I, wow! I, yeah, I didn't. That's pretty good. All right, I know. I want to. You, read you don't really first. need to if you just watch the debate. Hillary gave you a whole synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to read the book first, which is now what I have in my hands. Um, spoilers. I guess. <laughs> so when you first Dude, opened, Lincoln died. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> God damn it! Um, we're done then. Yeah. Fuck it. So when you first chapter the page, sixteen, Ford's theater. <laughs> it's like there's three. There's these three inscriptions. The first is um. Says the conduct of the Republican Party in this nomination is a remarkable indication of small intellect growing smaller. They pass over statesmen and ablemen. They pass over statesmen and ablemen, and they take up a fourth-rate lecturer who cannot speak good grammar. 
It's from the New York Herald, May 19th, 1860, commenting mm. on Abraham Lincoln's nomination for president. Interesting. Mm. Uh, He's um, a nerd. The next one is, why, if the old Greeks had had this man, what trilogies of plays, what epics would have been made of him, how the rhapsodies would have recited him, how quickly that quaint tall form would have entered into the region where men vitalize gods and gods divine, uh, divinify men. But Lincoln, his times, his death, great as any, any age, belong altogether to our own. As Walt Whitman, it's called The Death of Abraham Lincoln, 1879. Hmm. Also, Oh Captain, My Captain was based on, was was related to... That's Lincoln? Yeah. Yep. Lincoln oh Captain, Captain, yeah. Hmm. Oh Captain, My Captain. Yeah, Walt Whitman Our had a big, work is done. big Lincoln heart on. Yeah, he had a huge heart on Lincoln. But who doesn't? The last one is... uh. Hmm. The greatness of Napoleon, Caesar, or Washington is only moon is only moonlight by the son of Lincoln. His example is universal and will last thousands of years. He was bigger than his country, bigger than all the presidents together, and as a great character, he will live as long as the world lives. Leo Tolstoy, The World, New York, nineteen oh nine. Speaking of Joseph Pulitzer, who was the publisher of The World hmm. at that uh, time. Do you know the um you know what the, the little phrase was said as soon as Lincoln died? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. No, not, <laughs> not, not his last words. The no. last words that were said before he died. Oh, Holy in the play? Shit. Something about you sectologizing uh, men. Okay. Six wow, you guys have really ruined this one. Uh, and now he belongs to the ages. And now he belongs to the ages. Now he belongs That's to the after ages. he died? Right after he died. I think I believe Seward says that. Not Seward, as in the, the little house next to Ford's Theater? Where he but, died? Yes. I mean, Seward was, is the Secretary of State. Oh, died. was he there? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Someone oh. someone said it over his body when he Oh, died. so then he had to have been there. Not in the play. I, yes, I'm, I'm not 100%. It was Seward, but he was there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Seward was also stabbed, I believe, or, or attempted to be stabbed at the same night. Oh, shot. As, as, as well as the other. There was not just Lincoln. Remember, there was three tri- well, attempts Well, there seems to be a team of rivals. The introduction. Shall I read the introduction well first? Sorry. <laughs> Should I read the introduction? Sure. But. Okay. In 1876, the celebrated orator Frederick Douglass dedicated a monument in Washington, D.C., erected by black Americans to honor Abraham Lincoln. The former slave told his audience that, quote, there is little necessity on this occasion to speak at length and critically of this, this, and, of this great and good man and of his high mission great? in the world. Great. Oh. Of this great and good man and of his high mission I've only mission seen him in, in black world. and white, so he might be gray. Mm. <laughs> well, black and white is gray. Sometimes. The great, that ground has been fully occupied. The whole field of fact and fancy has been gleaned and garnered. As men can say things that are true of Abraham Lincoln, but no man can say anything that is new of Abraham Lincoln. Speaking only 11 years after Lincoln's death, Douglas was too close to assess the fascination that this plain and complex, shrewd and transparent, tender and iron-willed leader would hold for generations of Americans. In the nearly 200 years, in the nearly 200 years since his birth, countless historians and writers have uncovered new documents, provided fresh insights, and developed an ever-deepening understanding of our 16th president. In my own effort to illuminate the character and career of Abraham Lincoln, I have I have coupled the account of his life with the stories of the remarkable men who were his rivals for the 1860 Republican presidential nomination. New York Senator William H. Seward, Ohio Governor Salmon P. Chase, and Missouri distinguished, Missouri's distinguished elder statesman Edward Bates. Taken together, the lives of these four men give us a picture of the path taken by ambitious young men in the North who came of age in the early decades of the 19th century. All four studied law, became distinguished orators, entered politics, and opposed the spread of slavery. 
Their upward climb was one followed by many thousands who left the small towns of their birth to seek opportunity and adventure in the rapidly growing cities of a dynamic, expanding America. Just as a hologram is created through the, inter the interference of light from separated sources, so the lives of in and impressions of, the of those who companion Lincoln give us, a career give us a clearer and more dimensional picture of the president himself. Lincoln's barred childhood, his lack of schooling, his relationships with male friends, his complicated marriage, the, life of the nature of his ambition, and his rum ruminations about death can be analyzed more clearly when he is placed side by side with his three contemporaries. When Lincoln won the nomination, each of his celebrated rivals believed the wrong man had been chosen. Ralph Waldo Emerson recalled his first reception of the news that had been, quote, comparatively unknown name, uh, that the comparatively unknown name of Lincoln had, quote, unquote, had been selected. Quote, we heard the results coldly and sadly. It seemed too rash on a purely local reputation to, to build so grave a trust in such anxious times, end quote. Should I keep going on this or do you want me to start? Yeah, get into it. Yeah, let's just get into it. It's all kind of there. The Team of Rivals, part one. So there's a picture on this with Lincoln in the middle. And then, Joey, you think you can tell me who all these fucking people are? Lincoln Sans Beard. Lincoln Sans Beard. Well, it, does, it, has, the, it has their names right next to it. If you oh, got it. <laughs> I didn't see. Um, but um, I'm, I'm a fan of Seward. So Bates, top left, we have Bates. And then we have under him, who's that, Pennington? Pennington? Help me. Pennington? Yes. Pinkerton? Chase uh, is to his right. Then we have Fremont, Lincoln, Seward, uh, Banks, Mc McLean, or just Moline? Emmeline. Thanks, McLean. McLean. Oh, okay. And then Cameron, uh, John, John McLean, and Cassius Clay. Not really? the, the other Cassius Clay. There's a guy named Cassius M. Clay. Cool. The, that's the guy with the cannon, not the boxer. Uh, Washington, D.C. during the Civil War, then has a map, which is actually pretty fucking rad, come to think of it. All right, right on. Cool. Yeah, D.C. was actually really, really cool. Because it was kind of half-built, too. Yeah, it looks like it. It's pretty rad. Um, okay. And you can see the real layout of it. It was designed by the, the same architect of, sorry, city, city planner of Paris. I once had mm -hmm. heard that, like, the whole premise of Washington, D.C., the way it was architecturally built was so it was difficult for anybody kind of invading it to get in. That's why it's sort of built almost labyrinthian in a way. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Is that true? I don't know about that was the reason for it. Uh, it was uh, L'Enfant what did it. Um, I believe he did it so you could have circles and you could easily uh, move about the city, I thought. Now, it is situated in a very strategic place. Oh, okay. uh, on the Potomac is very strategic. You have a river surrounding the south and you have this marshy swamp to the to the east. Why is it advantageous to be? On a river? Yeah. Well, it's a natural moat, obviously, and you can also defend it with your navy. Okay. The U.S. It's had, at the at the time, literally the best navy in the world, probably. It's also in the shape of an owl sitting on a pyramid. That's fucking guy. Well, it was also the Capitol building. The Capitol building is situated right on really national. Okay, never cool. Sorry. Yep. No, the, the way they situated the Capitol building and the White House is very strategic too. It's yeah. in the center. The Capitol's in the belly of the owl. Yeah. <laughs> right on. <laughs> the Masons. The, the, the House the, of Knowledge. The Masons. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all masonship. All right. The Freemason. Um, they weren't all free. Read Dan Brown. I guess I'll bring Dan Brown at some point. <laughs> Chapter one. Four men waiting. On May 18th, 1860, the day when the Republican Party would nominate its candidate for president, Abraham Lincoln was up early. As he climbed the stairs to his plainly furnished law office on the south side of the public square in Springfield, Illinois, breakfast was being served at the 130-room Chenery House on 4th Street. 
Fresh butter, flour, lard, and eggs were being put put out for sale in the city grocery store on North 6th Street. And in the morning newspaper, the, the, the proprietors at Smith, Wickersham & Company, had announced the arrival of a large spring stock of silks, calicos, ginghams, and linens, along with a new supply of the latest styles of hosieries and gloves. What's They're, a calico other than a cat? I don't know. I don't know. I, I imagine it's a like a like, like a, a type of tapestry. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Republicans had chosen to meet in Chicago. A new convention had called the quote wigwam had been constructed for the occasion. The first ballot was not due to be called until 10 a.m. And Lincoln, although patient by nature, was visibly quote nervous, fidgety, and intensely excited. End quote. With an outside chance to secure the Republican nomination for the highest office in the land, he was unable to focus on his work. Even under ordinary circumstances, many would have found concentration difficult in this untidy, uh, difficult in the untidy office Lincoln shared with his younger partner, um, William Hendon, uh, Herndon, sorry, Herndon. Am I saying that right? Yes. William Herndon? Herndon. Herndon. Um, two work tables piled high with papers and correspondence formed a T in the center of the room. Additional documents and letters spilled out from the drawers and pigeonholes and an outmoded out secretary in the corner. When he needed a particular piece of correspondence, Lincoln had to rifle through disorderly stocks of paper, rummaging in at, at a last resort in the in the lining of his old plug hat, uh, where he often put stray letters or notes. Restlessly descending to the street, he passed the state capitol building. Is a plug said, hat different than a top hat? I don't know. I don't think so. I think they're synonymous. Yeah. Joey? I don't know. I'm going to Google it. Thank Pl you, sir. Plug hat? Plug hat. Yeah. Give me one second. Uh-huh. Restlessly descending, descending to the street, he passed the state capitol building, set oh, back from looks the Looks more road, like a baller. A bowler. A bowler, bowler cap. Yeah. A baller cap. Baller. A baller cap. This fucking baller. <laughs> uh, set back from the road. And the open lot where he played handball with his friends and climbed a short set of stairs to the office of the Illinois State Journal, the local Republican newspaper. The editorial room on the second floor with a, with a central large wood-burning stove with a gathering place for the exchange was the gathering place for exchange of news and gossip. He wandered over to the telegraph office to the north side of the square to see if any new dispatches had come in. There were a few outward signs that this day was a, that this was a day of special moment and, and ex, oh my God. There were a few outward signs that this was a day of special moment and expectation in the history of Springfield. Scant record of any celebration or festivity planned should, um, should Lincoln, long their fellow townsman, actually secure the nomination. That he had garnered the support of the Illinois delegation at the state convention at Decatur earlier that month was widely understood to be a, quote, complimentary gesture. If there was no firm plans to celebrate his dark horse bid, Lincoln knew well the ardor of his, of his staunch circle of friends already at work on his behalf in the floors of, wigwam, of the wigwam. The hands of the town clock and the steeple of the Baptist church on Adams Street much have seemed not to move when Lincoln learned that his longtime friends James Cockling, Conkling had returned unexpectedly from the convention the previous evening. He walked over to, the Con to Conkling's office above Chatterton's jewelry store, told that his friends was unexpected. Told that his friends was unexpected with was expected within the hour. He returned to his own quarters, intending to come back as soon as Conkling arrived. Lincoln's shock of black hair. Brown, furrowed face and deep-set eyes made him look older than his 51 years. He was a familiar—he's old, huh? Mm. He was a familiar figure to almost everyone in Springfield, as was his singular way of walking, which gave the impression that his long, gaunt frame needed oiling. <laughs> he plodded forward in an awkward manner, hands hanging at his sides as folded behind, or folded behind his back. His step had no spring. His partner, William Herndon—his um, partner. partner, William Herndon, recalled. 
He lifted his whole foot at once rather than lifting from the toes and then thrust the whole foot down on the ground rather than landing yeah. on the heel. Log cabin. His legs, another <laughs> another observer noted, seemed to drag from the knees down like those of a, la- of a laborer going home after a hard day's work. His features, even supporters conceded, were not such, quote, as belonged to a handsome man. In repose, his face was so overspread with sadness, the reporter Horace White noted, that it seemed as if Shakespeare melancholy, Shakespeare's melancholy Jaques had been translated from the Forest of Arden to the capital of Illinois. So I know it's spelled like Jacques, but the, you pronounce that character's name as Jaques. That's uh, as you like it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, relax. Um, Nerd. I mean, you know. Just speak, you just peeked on his uh, dujometer. Yeah. Yet when Lincoln, you'd like as you, anyway, yet when Lincoln <laughs> began to speak, White observed, this expression of sorrow dropped from him instantly. His face lighted up with a, win- with a winning smile. And where I had a moment before seen only leaden sorrow, leaden sorrow, I now beheld keen intelligence, genuine kindness of heart, and the promise of true friendship. If his appearance seemed somewhat odd, what captivated admirers, another contemporary observed, was his winning manner, his really good humor, and his unaffected kindness and gentleness. Five minutes in his presence, and you cease to think that he is either homely or awkward. Springfield had been Lincoln's home for nearly a quarter of a century. He had arrived in the young city to practice law at 28 years old, riding into town his great friend Joshua Speed, recalled, on a borrowed horse with no earthly property save a pair of saddlebags containing a few clothes. The city had grown rapidly, particularly after 1839, when it became the capital of Illinois. By 1860, Springfield boasted nearly 10,000 residents, though its business district, designed to accommodate the expanding population, had arrived in town when the legislator was in session. Have a thousand more. Um, ten hotels radiated from the public squares. Ten hotels radiated the, from the public square where the Capitol building stood. In addition, there were multiple saloons and restaurants, seven newspapers, three billiard halls, dozens of retail sh- sh- stores, three military armories, and two railroad depots. All right, I'm going to keep bouncing forward. Mm-hmm. Where should I go to? Stop. Uh, do you know that Lincoln didn't originally Some didn't- showdown in Chicago is where you told me to stop. Right on. What'd you say? Did I know that what? Uh, Lincoln originally didn't want to vote for himself. Oh, that's funny. Why? And because he thought it was gauche. Gauche, yeah. And uh, Herndon convinced them too. The longing to rise. Let me read these chapter headings. I guess the the Chicago one Sean already jumped on. So we have four men waiting. The longing to rise. The lure of politics. Plunder and conquest. The turbulent fifties. The gathering storm. Countdown to the nomination. Showdown in Chicago. A man knows his own name. An intensified crossword puzzle. Uh, I am not his public. I am now public property. And then two masters among men is part two. Um, and there's an epilogue. What, what, you mean to go to that one? What's the showdown in Chicago? Is the, the convention? I assume, yeah. Should we do that? I feel trouble in the air is one. The showdown. summer, the summer of 1863. Wait. Go ahead. Well, are we doing the showdown in Chicago? Or are we doing? I can go anywhere you want. I mean, I have the whole book. But we kind of skipped <laughs> the, the brief. What's why, the best place? Why to don't skip we go to, to the Lincoln Douglas debates? Uh, okay, that sounds fun. Where where do you think I could find that? I, I would guess towards the beginning ish, somewhere like where you are kind of right now, maybe. Oh, see, by the way, proof that I just bought this today. Receipt. <laughs> um, an intensified crossword puzzle. I have his debit information. Oh. If anyone wants it, tweet me at Joe Bonnier. I mean, it's not going to be on. The actual debit information isn't on there. The last four digits are. Sure, yes. You, you can just get it. the first 12, and I'll get the, the gathering one. storm. Where the fuck? Read anything. It's all good. We'll figure out the context. Lincoln Douglas debates the gathering storm. When was that? The year. 
59? Oh, I'm in 55 here, I think. I don't know. Maybe earlier. All right. We'll just read. I'll just read anything. I think it was actually way earlier. I'm I like sorry. the idea of way it's earlier. By 55. The lure of politics. Oh, 55. The Gathering Storm. 50, I'm sorry, 58. 58. I was right. 59, oh, okay. 58. As 54 gave way to 55 is where we are. Yeah, it's fine. Look it up for me or something, Joey. The Lincoln Douglas Debates? Yeah. Like the Wikipedia of it? No, like in this book. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, sure, As 1959 like opened, Countdown to the Nomination. Uncle Seward, Lincoln more carefully. Tell me about Abraham Lincoln, Joey. Um, I, I, I think it's unique. I mean, and Doris Have Kern, you read this book, by the way? I've actually not read it, I, but I know a lot about it. I've, I've heard her talk about it on The Daily Show. She was on The Daily Show a lot, and mm -hmm. Colbert. Um, and she's one of my favorite historians. She's really funny when she's ever, she's on TV. Um, I just love the idea that Lincoln really would not only use his rivals, but kind of learn from them, which is really amazing and unique in this stubborn world of politicians where no, everyone is like, this is, these are my views. Uh, I just love it. Uh, and he even, he even had fights with them, for, for instance. Like he would, I think his uh, secretary of the Navy, he would call like his old Neptune. Like he was just like this cranky old dude. I like, he was just, he really worked well with people, even though he, he knew that they didn't like him. Like they were, they all thought they had careers. I mean, these people were all running for president. They all wanted to be president. They had political aspirations. So mm -hmm. the fact that he was able to kind of balance that and still get good ideas and advice out of them and, it was amazing. And not only that, they learned to love him. Like Seward, you know, would cry at his funeral. You know, of course, all these guys would. But they, they really loved him. It's a, it's an amazing thing being so a leader. I, I have, so I forgot when we'll be reading this. Isn't it? Oh, there's our food. I wanna, I'll leave you guys with this. Um, the, this is in the chapter, I am now public property, um, which I guess is sort of appropriate to whoever becomes president. Um so I'll start here. The, the question of Lincoln's accommodations in Washington for the 10 days until his inauguration had been debated for weeks. In early December, Montgomery Blair had issued the Lincolns an invitation to stay at the Blair House on Pennsylvania Avenue, offering the very room uh, General, Jack, oh, Gen General Jackson intended to occupy after leaving the White House and insisting that the Blairs would be delighted for you to begin where he left. In the meantime, Senator Trumbull and Congressman Washburn had rented a private house for the Lincolns several blocks from the White House. When Lincoln had passed through, uh, when Lincoln had passed through Albany on his roundabout tour, however, we'd strongly objected. He advised Lincoln that he was, quote, now public property and ought to be where he can be reached by the people until he is inaugurated. Lincoln agreed. Quote, the truth is, I suppose I am now public property and a public inn is the place where people can have access to me. A suite of rooms was reserved as the celebrated Willard Hotel, which stood at the corner of 14th Street and Pennsylvania Avenue, within sight of the White House. That's why he's on the penny, so he can always have access to him. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you for listening to Letterbaby. <laughs> <laughs> Also the reason we can't get rid of the penny. Lincoln out.